0: 313814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the virtual Bible study.
1: And we welcome you into the virtual Bible study for June 16th, 2011. Thank you for being here tonight, and we look forward to our discussion and study of the Bible with you. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello,
2: Dad. Jacob, great to be with you on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study, as always.
1: it is good to be with you, and a very interesting program planned for tonight, a a disturbing program tonight.
2: Well, that's what we hope to talk about is disturbing things. We suggested earlier today to our update list, and uh, we always remind you you can get on that list if you're not by sending us a message to questions at collegeview.com. And just say in the subject line, put me on the list, we'll do it. We send out this update on Thursdays to tell you what our theme is going to be for that night's study and get you thinking about some things that we hope are worthy of discussion. Tonight we put out a message asking our listeners to uh, give us their view as to what are some disturbing trends that we see in the church. Now we're not talking necessarily, we're, we're in fact definitely not talking about trends in the religious world at large. Uh, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the religious world at large. But right. we're, we're more concerned about among conservative Christians, among those who uh, profess a, a, you know, an allegiance to Bible things m- more specifically and more accurately. But even among those that are nominally conservative, I think we see some trends that are disturbing. And so we thought we would talk about those tonight. And we want to get your input to our update list earlier today. We simply asked the questions... Give your top five troubling trends that you see in the church today. And if you give us five, list them in order of significance. And then we also ask uh, for you to give evidence of that. If you, if you know of specific instances or episodes where churches were doing things that, that illustrate what you think are disturbing trends, tell us if you have some personal experience or you have knowledge of some situations where churches got involved in some of the kind of things that you think are departures from the faith uh, let us know give us some specific examples and then we ask what are the most important biblical keys that will keep a church from departing from the faith all right so those are our questions what are the what are the top most disturbing trends you see in the church what are some specific evidences of those things and then what are the biblical principles that need to be strictly adhered to so that we will not depart from the
1: faith. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. Give us a call at 877-381-4567. Anthony is behind the controls tonight and can take your call and get you on the air with us tonight or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and join in the chat room with other listeners. We're looking forward to hearing from you one way or the other on the program tonight.
2: Jacob, I thought what we could do to start our discussion
1: is... Before you start the discussion, you wanted to make a special announcement.
2: Oh, yeah, we should mention before we get into our You're so excited
1: about these disturbing things that you didn't...
2: Uh, We've got a special effort uh, going to be conducted here in Columbia, Tennessee, next Monday and Tuesday night. And so we're specifically talking to our listeners who are in the Middle Tennessee area, if you're within a driving distance of Columbia. We want to invite you to come to a special effort that we're going to conduct next week. In the Murray County Park, which is a, a large park right near our meeting place here on the west side of Columbia, most people who live in Middle Tennessee are familiar with the Mule Day celebrations in yes. Columbia, and Murray County Park is where all of that is done. It's a big park.
1: But it's been a long time since Mule Day, the so mules it not anymore. The mules are all
2: gone, and the mess is cleaned yeah. up. And we're going to use one of the pavilions at the park for two nights, next Monday, the June 20th, and Tuesday, June 21st at 7 o'clock, We're going to uh, conduct some Bible studies there with the idea that we can hopefully get more community people who'd be willing to come to a a neutral site and join in. Don Wright, who's a preacher in Louisville, Kentucky, is going to be here, and he and I are going to bring two brief presentations each night, and then there'll be a period for questions and answers. Our theme is going to be on premillennialism, the rapture, the end of the world, the millennial kingdom, uh, as our listeners are certainly familiar with the fact that there's been a lot of predictions and speculations made about these kind of things recently. It's been all in the news. We want to look to what the Bible says about those things. Uh, so uh, Monday night, uh, we're going to talk about premillennialism and the millennial kingdom. Okay. And Tuesday night, we're going to talk about the rapture and the end of the world. Okay. And so that's when now? Monday and Tuesday, next Monday and Tuesday, the 20th and 21st of June, seven o'clock at the Murray County Park. If you if you are able to come but are are, are uncertain as to how to get there, you'll send us a, an email message. We'll get you a map to the location.
1: All right. We look forward to seeing you if you are in the middle Tennessee area. We're looking forward to that uh, presentation Monday and Tuesday, June twentieth and twenty first, seven o'clock, Bury County Park in Columbia, Tennessee. Now on to our discussion tonight about disturbing trends that you're seeing. There are a lot of disturbing trends, unfortunately. And I guess there probably always have been.
2: Well, what we have to be on guard about is drifting, allowing things to change and over time end up uh, taking a completely different stance than we once did then, and, and really departing from the things that the Bible tells us to do. And I thought to illustrate this, I came across some information just this week about how a popular denomination has drifted uh, really quite incredibly in, in uh, about 40 years. All right. And so, uh, uh, Anthony, I got some charts that you could show on the screen that illustrates what has happened in the United Presbyterian Church. Jacob, not that long ago, we interviewed a fella sure who was uh, a delegate to the convention, the United Presbyterian Church Convention. And, uh, of course, we had a quite interesting discussion with him on the subject of homosexuality. They're very troubled about this. Right? Uh, well, they've, they've come to endorse it, basically. Right. But here's how, here's how it has progressed. And, Anthony, if you've got that first chart up, back in 1978, a quote from the minutes of the 190th General Assembly of the United Presbyterian Church in the USA, here's what they said about homosexuality. 1978. This is 78. So this is, what, 32, 33 Three. years ago. Yeah. Homosexuality is not God's wish for humanity. On the basis of our understanding that the practice of homosexuality is sin, we are concerned that homosexual believers and the observing world should not be left in doubt about the church's mind on this issue during any further period of study. Well, so they said, we want, to, we want the world to know. We don't want anybody to be in doubt. We believe homosexuality is a sin. That's 32 years ago.
1: That sounds pretty stern, but I see a chink in the armor
2: there. There's some further study. Well, go just a couple of years later. Meetings from the uh, 120th General Assembly, and, and uh, I don't know the dates. Those, those, that, that doesn't add up. The first one said it was 190th. This is 120th. So I, I think that may be a, a typo there. But this is a quote from the General Assembly held in 1980, and so just two years later, okay. they said homosexuality presents a particular problem for the church. It seems. To be contrary to the teaching of scripture,
1: they're softening up, aren't so, they?
2: So, in just a two-year period, they went from saying homosexuality is a sin to saying, two years later in 1980, it seems be. to be a, a thing contrary to the teaching. And it's of a scripture.
1: particular problem where you're having trouble accepting. All right,
2: okay. move up in time to 1991. So a, about another 11 years has transpired. This is a quote from an article in Time magazine. Uh, in May of 1991. And it says the church should, quote, reevaluate its definition of sin to reflect the changing mores of society.
1: Mores, huh?
2: Mm-hmm. And they went on to say that the church should sound, quote, a call for widening the circle of the faithful, not with children. That is, faithful people, not with children. But with non reproductive gays, lesbians, and heterosexual singles who practice safe sex. We feel that marriage is not what legitimates uh, legitimates sexual gratification. in other words, you don't have to be married in order to have legitimate sexual relationships and it might that might be true between gays, lesbians, even heterosexual singles if you practice safe sex Mm-mm-mm. Now this is for p- the faithful who do not have children and for those who are not interested in reproduction all right
1: certainly you don't have to have children to be faithful.
2: But Anyway, so now, it, it, by 1991, they were saying, uh, you, you don't have to be married. You could have legitimate sexual relations not in marriage. And then just in July of 2010, and that's about the time frame in which we interviewed the Presbyterian preacher who had been a delegate. You can find that
1: in our archives from our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com.
2: When we interviewed him uh, back last year, having just returned from their General Assembly and taken a vote on it, here's a quote from Newsmax.com. Presbyterian leaders approve gay clergy policy. Presbyterian leaders voted Thursday to allow non-celibate gays in committed relationships to serve as clergy, approving the first of two policy changes that could make the church one of the most gay-friendly major Christian denominations in the U.S. So they went from 1978 from plainly saying homosexuality is a sin to in 2010 – Saying that it's okay for even their clergy, their ministers, thirty-two years to be engaged in homosexual, non celibate homosexual relationships as long as they are committed to one another. Mm. So uh, I, I think surely. Why? Why? Why did you present that to us? Well, uh, just to show how how groups can drift. Okay. You know, you you can you know, thirty years doesn't seem like all that long. Right. But look how far that that denomination moved in that period of time now we can sit back and say well yeah that's them but that's not us it could never happen to us but i, I want to suggest to you that it can happen if we are not on guard you know uh, probably a lot of people are saying well that's uh, that's crazy we would never for instance endorse homosexuality oh,
1: oh don't say so fast it, it
2: might it it might but it might not be homosexuality it might be something else but what i'm saying is in a period as short as 30 years you can see a significant drifting uh, in a denomination like the Presbyterian Church. We've got to be on guard lest that kind of drifting take place in our lives.
1: Paul references, uh, Paul is in Indiana tonight. Paul references Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, where we read, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Appreciate Paul for that. And guest 931 in the chat room, that's Larry in Kentucky. He says, he references 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, where we read, Be ye steadfast. And so we've got to hold on to what we believe and be careful we don't
2: drift. You know, uh, we've been recently studying in, in our one of our adult classes in the book of Joshua and Judges, and we've commented on the life of Joshua, who was a great leader. Uh, it says in Joshua 24, verse 29, It came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old, and they buried him. Uh, And Israel served the Lord God all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had known all the works that the Lord uh, had done for Israel. But after that generation died, Israel quickly went back into all kinds of sinful practices and idolatry. So uh, in a generation, Israel went from the positive and forceful leadership of Joshua to a situation where they were engaging in all kinds of sinful activities. It can happen in a generation. It can happen in 30 years. And so I, I think the, if we don't get, take away anything else from our discussion tonight, it is that we need to be on guard because it does not take that long it can't for apostasy to occur. And it can't happen fast. Yeah.
1: All right. Excellent comments tonight. We're going to talk about these disturbing trends on the program tonight. And uh, we're uh, probably going to miss some of your comments in the chat room along these lines. If you send them in early, you might want to put them in a... Uh, copy them and paste them into some place where you can put them back in as we go through. We're get towards or, the end or, of the program, or send
2: us an email if, you, if you've got some comments there. That you because what happens is they move up on our page right. and we lose them
1: towards the end of the program. We're going to get more
2: rapid fire in some of these. Yeah, and we want to come back to a lot of your comments. So uh, and and, if, and you're getting a lot of comments in the chat room right Makes now. You might want to you might want to copy and paste those into an email. And then we can try to run to those when we get to that point.
1: All right. Uh, we'll talk on the other side of the break about some dangers that you see. You put together your list. I your put together list.
2: a top five, and, and I, I, we'll talk about those briefly. And then we'll and get since to you're
1: the host, you get, you're, you get to the head of the list. Okay. Get this, the we head don't head always
2: do that, but we will tonight. All right. Then after that,
1: after we get your five out of the way, we'll start taking five of, of other listeners' comments on those lines, and we'll take yours in the chat room as well. So we hope you will stay tuned. We appreciate yeah, again,
2: it. to our chat room, there's a lot. Looks like a lot of good comments being added in there, and we don't want to lose those. So um, maybe copy your comments and paste them into an email address and send it to us at questions at collegeview.com.
1: We're going to do you a favor. We're going to give you a break right now for you to do that. We'll take a break, and while you're listening to this important message, you can send those comments in an email.
0: Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting
3: Bible study after this commercial. Do you remember when churches taught the truth in a straightforward and direct way with no sugar coating? Can you recall when homosexuality was plainly condemned and unscriptural divorce and remarriage was not tolerated? Can you think back to a time when you heard hard sermons on moral issues like dancing, immodest dress, and filthy movies? Do you long for a return to the kind of teaching and preaching that you heard 30 or 40 years ago? The College View Church is trying hard to maintain the same moral principles that have been associated with God's people throughout the ages. They want to hold the line against the drifting that is characterized in so many churches today. Come and see. Visit the College View Church of Christ.
2: Here are some quotes worth pondering. He who is too busy to pray is busier than God ever intended him to be. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, When we neither punish nor reproach evildoers, we are ripping the foundations of justice from beneath new generations. Man, wish I'd said that.
0: And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. Alexander who? Alexander Solzhenitsyn.
1: Are you sure that's how you say his name?
2: I'm pretty
0: sure.
1: Okay, all
0: right. We welcome you back to the
1: program tonight. We're talking about disturbing trends in the church today, and we want you to get your comments queued up. Send them in an email, if you will, or hold on to them. And we'll go rapid fire in the chat room later on in the program tonight. Before we get into your comments, though, the host has five of his
2: disturbing trends that he sees. And number one. the uh, If I was going to make a top five list of disturbing trends, I, I would have to put worldliness at the top of my list as the most disturbing thing that I see in churches among God's people. Uh, it Worldliness is a problem. And, of course, it's... It, the scriptures warned about it 2000 years sure. ago in James chapter 4 verse 4 it says ye adulterers and adulteresses now it's talking there about spiritual adultery unfaithfulness to God ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God and so worldliness, I think, is a great problem uh, in the Lord's church and among God's people. It is
1: absolutely opposite of what God wants. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, unclean thing and I will receive you. Okay. God wants he his, wants his people to be, to be separate. Yeah.
2: You know, there's sort of a, a, a parallel with Israel in the Old Testament. They were not supposed to physically intermarry sure. with the nations around them. They were supposed to keep their distinct, separate identity Obviously, there's a spiritual parallel to that we We should keep ourselves separate from the world, not not to the not in the sense that we would never contact the world. Obviously, we're supposed to be salt and light uh, to an evil world, and we're supposed to reach out to the lost and convert them to Christ. But we have to keep ourselves separate from the sinful activities of the world and I think there's plenty of evidence that worldliness has really impacted the church. We could talk about moral issues, things like social drinking, dancing, uh, even acts of fornication. We, uh, unfortunately, more and more we learn of sad, disturbing situations in which Christians, preachers, teachers, elders, and others have allowed themselves to become over overcome uh, in, in sinful sexual activities. Uh, obviously, the world is given over to that sort of thing. And it's impacting, uh, it's impacting Christians uh, in the things that they think and do. So I think worldliness is a big problem. You see, uh, uh, another we mentioned social drinking, dancing. Another evidence of that, I believe, is immodesty. Uh, sadly, many times, if you're around a crowd of Christians, you don't see a significant difference in the way Christians dress from the very immodest right. trends that are right. evidenced in the world. Right. Christians are trying to see how close to the world they can be, uh, imitating them in the things they do, uh, the kind of things they talk about, the language they use, the clothes they wear. Do you think it's a conscious thing, or do you think it's just a failure to realize the importance of being separate? I, I think there's a conscious decision to, to pursue those kind of things. I, I I think it's a choice. I don't think it happens just by chance. I think it's a choice to allow the world to influence us to be like they are. I, the reason i say that is because i think that at least in uh, in some places there's still teaching uh, against dancing for instance but the but the teenagers and young people don't allow that to influence they're going to go to the prom one way or the other there's teaching on modest dress but people are going to allow, them, allow the world to dictate their fashions rather than uh, any consideration as to what god says about it and the only reason that would be is because People want to be like the world. It's worldliness. Uh, and it's taking seed in the Lord's church. Eight seven seven three eight
1: one four five six seven questions at collegeview dot com. Anthony's behind the controls tonight. Uh,
4: Anthony, uh you
1: see this as is an issue in the church, uh, worldliness uh, creeping in?
4: Yeah, definitely. I think you know that's a you know broad term that covers a lot of things. Um you know, particularly I am very troubled by the the clothing issue and the lack of modesty, or failure, really uh, failure to cover up, uh, to cover our bodies in so many instances, is very troubling. Um, but we're you know we're surrounded by the world, uh, and I don't think it's any coincidence that there's so many uh, admonitions in the scriptures that we've got to be separate. We've got to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We can't be a friend of the world. Uh, there are so many warnings against that because it's, it, God understands it's a very powerful temptation to, for us. And, um, you know, like Greg said, we ought, our attitude should not be to be as close to the world as we can without go crossing the line. But we ought to take a more uh, a safer approach and now, not try to play with fire, if you will. Now I'll get your, your guys' feedback on this. So you're talking
1: about drifting. And I, I disagree with you. I don't think it is a conscious decision. He, Christians say, I want, to, I, want to go, I want to do that sin, I, and I'm, I'm going to address that. I think it is a passive thing where we allow ourselves to be exposed to the world that we live in. We begin to become conformed to the world. And if you were to ask Christians, uh, is there something wrong with what I'm doing, they would say no because they've been so conditioned by the world that, as you mentioned, this drifting, I think we've just allowed the world to influence us and to, to change our thinking.
2: Well, I, th- I I wouldn't disagree with that conclusion, but I think that there's a a conscious effort to disregard okay that's uh, true. the teaching that's done on those subjects and allow this to happen. That's because to
1: the us. world has perverted our thinking so much.
2: Yeah, okay. you know, right. in other words, it, it, what's accept and I think it's an obvious form of drifting because what's acceptable to Christians today is way different than what would have been acceptable to Christians. Twenty-five or thirty years ago, ten years ago, or ten years ago, and so there is drifting taking place, but it happens rather gradually, and so people, you know, now you know, I, even to the point that several times I've heard Christians talk about modest two-piece bathing suits yeah. for, for girls, young ladies, and so forth. You know that that you could that you could even put those two words together in the same sentence is a sign that, that something bad's happened to the way and we the think. way you think. Yeah. Eight seven
1: seven three eight one four five six seven. 381 4567 Questions at com And the chat room is abuzz tonight. Uh, you can join in there if you're not signed in. It's very easy. Follow the instructions at the bottom of know, the screen. you
2: uh, on, know, on a, on a subject like social drinking, yeah, uh, I hear way more Christians arguing in favor of social drinking now than just a few years ago.
1: What's changed? The scriptures the, the scriptures
2: haven't changed, but people's attitude toward it have and the desire to, again, participate in the things that the world participates in. And by the way, that's not a new phenomenon. The, the Israelites in the Old Testament wanted to be like the nations around them. There's yeah. just a there's a human tendency to want to be like those that are around us. And sure, we don't want to be weird. And so we, we're unwilling to pay the cost to be different, and therefore worldliness takes root and causes these departures.
1: And the devil has very uh, pleasurable sins that he can tempt us with.
2: I, I, before we we move on to number two on our list, Jay, one more evidence I think of worldliness being a problem among Christians and a disturbing trend in the church is evidenced in what I think we see in the way that people contribute their money to the Lord. Hmm. Uh, you know, we live in a very prosperous age, and yet people are not giving. I think the way they should, and the reason and the reason why they're not is because they're so busy spending their money have more of this world's things and then they don't have the money right to give and so i think poor giving is another evidence of worldliness okay in the church so all right. number, number one. one on my list is worldliness okay that's when we talk about disturbing trends uh in the church all right number two on your list number two on my list is softness in doctrine okay that's
1: uh, that is that a uh, symptom or a uh, cause
2: well, it is a it's a sign of drifting. It's it's, it's a trend. There's a trend okay. in the church okay. toward soft preaching uh, and not wanting to come down hard on doctrinal issues, not wanting to name names or identify false uh, teachers. Uh, there, there's a I think some of the evidence that we see of this is in the style of preaching that's becoming more and more popular. The the, the preachers who are popular. Uh, are uh, very adept public speakers, orators, who who can uh, thrill an audience with their words, even if it doesn't include any reference to scriptures. People want to hear pleasant words. And I'm not talking about in the denominational religious world. I'm talking about among our brethren.
1: There's some good preachers who can throw some scriptures in with that, though, but the references that they make and the points that they make, you can leave there with absolutely no, no conviction that you need to do anything different.
2: Well, uh, and, and I'm convinced that some preachers are doing most of their study and reading from denominational authors. They become thrilled with that style of thing and then they incorporate it in their preaching. And so it's gotten to the point that a lot of the, the preaching and teaching that's done is, is of a sort that would be very common in denominational churches. Very uh, non-specific. Uh, It has no uniqueness. Uh, uh, It's not different. And I think that imitation uh, of the denominations in worship and uh, style and practice and the kind of teaching that's done, the refusal to mark and avoid those who teach and preach false doctrines, uh, all of that is a kind of softness that I think is endemic in the church.
1: Anthony, uh, the society we live in uh, doesn't have much of a stomach for things that make us uncomfortable or convict us. And does that tell us we need to change? I mean, just in physical things, you know, Anthony, we don't we don't want someone to tell us that we need to exercise more, for instance, or that uh, we need to avoid certain foods. We don't we don't have an appetite or a tolerance for that. Same is true in spiritual things as well.
4: Right? It, you know, that kind of makes me think of the whole. We often use the term political correctness. That's become really a. A disease if you will in our society nobody wants to step on anybody's toes and nobody wants to be told as you said what to do and um that's that's the way our society has drifted over time at, at a point in time before my day that you know i don't think that was the case from what i can tell but certainly now uh we don't want to offend anybody that's right Eight seven seven three eight one four five
1: six seven is the number to call we'd love to hear from you on the phones tonight uh that's number two. Are you done with number two? Yeah.
2: I just think the softness or lack of distinctiveness in our teaching is right. a very troubling trend in the church that I see.
1: Number three. We've got to hurry because we've got a lot of other lists that we need to get okay. to. Okay,
2: quickly, number three on my list is a lost emphasis on spiritual work. You're
1: talking about in the church's focus.
2: In the church's focus. i just I got some examples here that I got from an article recently. Uh, a church called Alta Mesa Church of Christ had a party for area college students. It included beach volleyball, tug of war, frisbee, and more. Burgers, roast pig—an Oppor- excellent opportunity to meet new friends. Is this for the a summer.
1: carnival down at the uh, uh,
2: that, fairgrounds? That's what it, that's what no, the church, this is what a
1: church is doing.
2: Here's another Westworth Village Church of Christ uh, scheduled a youth meeting that would include a lock-in slumber party a talent show, Mm. various games and activities. Wow. Uh, A congregation in Kirkland, Washington, advertised a meeting for the youth with fun social activities. A congregation in Kentucky advertised a teen retreat with volleyball, hiking, tug-of-war, and hay rides. Uh, That's what I'm talking about when I talk about disturbing trends, lost emphasis on spiritual work.
1: And, you know, If you were to question some of these people about, oh, there'll be spiritual things there. Why are we so scared of the spiritual that we have to dress it up with these roast pigs, for instance? Why why can't we say we're going to have a Bible class? We're going to have a Bible study and a Bible discussion. Part of the
2: reason is because of the worldliness that's in the church. People won't come if you do that. But uh, all of these things, uh, you know, if someone says we're being reactionary, I, I would just ask you to say, uh, ask you to see if this is not a real indication of the kind of drifting taking place. Would this have been, would this have been in evidence among the Lord's people fifty years ago, a hundred years ago, or for that matter, go back to the first century? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul overseeing? A lock-in slumber party at the church with a talent show, games and activities, tug of war, vo- beach volleyball, uh, hiking, hay rides. Now, here's the Apostle Paul. Did, can, can you, you picture Paul having anything to do with you? The, can things throw like
1: me that? in jail. You can burn me at the stake. You can but crucify I'm going me to have upside my volleyball. down. We're gonna have the talent show for yeah. crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, you know, if people think that we're just being old fuddy-duddies here, that this is just, that that we've just really lost our senses and that we're objecting to things that are not bad, please understand we're talking about what's involved in the church's authorized work. I I like to play volleyball. I like to go camping and hiking. But, But there's no Bible authority for the church to be involved in that. And when you see churches involved in those kind of things, to me, it's a very disturbing trend as churches drift further and further away from the truth.
1: All right, we need to take a break and get this week's bullet point, and we'll take your comments on the side. Two more of yours, and I think we can get to those pretty quick. Okay. And then we're going to go to the list that's growing. We've got to get uh, we've got to get to some of these. Well, don't take don't 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 go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this.
0: These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet
2: Point. Occasionally we hear complaints from some Christians that they just aren't being put to work or that they just aren't being used enough. What is generally meant is that these individuals are not frequently being called upon to word prayers during the public worship, or perhaps they're seldom scheduled to pass the Lord's Supper, or it may be that their opportunities to lead singing or give a talk are few and far between. Let us plainly state that all of these activities are good and important. We want to encourage every male Christian to grow and develop in all these vital roles. But having said that, we would also urge everyone to realize that these things do not, in and of themselves, constitute full and complete service to the Lord. There are so many other opportunities to serve in areas where we urgently need your help. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look, John 4, verse 35. The fact of the matter is you are surrounded by lost souls that need to be taught about salvation. Your own knowledge of the scriptures needs to be increased by diligent study and personal preparation. You are needed to help encourage and strengthen some of your brethren who are weak and struggling. Do you get the point? Many opportunities await the humble, faithful servant who is looking to work for the Lord, Don't be deceived into thinking that if you're seldom used in the public assemblies, you are therefore not being used effectively. And likewise, don't fall into the trap of thinking that if you are frequently called upon to pray, lead singing, or wait on the table, you are necessarily doing all the real work that God desires of you. Duties performed during the worship assemblies are important, but they are not the absolute test of your service to the Lord. That's this week's bullet point think about it.
1: Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the virtual Bible study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the virtual Bible study.
0: Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the
1: program. And we are thankful that you've made this a part of your Bible study activities for this evening, and we look forward to hearing from you on the program. The phone line is open. We can take your call eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven email is working. The inbox is yours at questions at collegeview dot com and the chat room is a buzz tonight as uh, the subject the, the conversation there is probably more lively than the conversation here
2: uh, We got them started in the chat room when we mentioned uh trends in immodest dress in the church as evidence of worldliness, and they took off on that immodesty question and I really been batting it, it back. We, 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 are... we can't keep up with them in okay. there. But uh, that that may indicate that that's a topic they want to talk about. We may need to devote a virtual Bible study to that sometime hey. in the near future. All right. You've got two more on your list. Uh, number four. All right. Quickly, we're talking about disturbing trends in the church. And one of the ones I see is a refusal to submit to leadership. Now, What uh, leadership are you talking about? I'm talking about the leadership in local congregations, the elders of local churches. Okay. Seems to me that in a lot of churches in a lot of places – there's a, l- a real problem with people not wanting to submit to the elders
1: now uh, on a, in a couple different ways you can look at that we by failing to ref, uh, submit to the leadership of the elders you are failing to submit to god because one of two reasons for that god has told you to submit and the authority for the elders comes from god so if you don't obey and submit to the elders then you are not obeying and submitting to god
2: exactly and right. you're
1: setting yourselves up for some drifting when you do that
2: exactly right hebrews thirteen seventeen says obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you we are commanded to be submissive to the elders and a lot of people don't think that they have any obligation in that matter whatsoever uh, in fact uh, paul wrote in first timothy chapter 5 Beginning verse 17, he said, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. That that statement, Do not receive an accusation against an elder, except by two or three witnesses. People disregard that absolutely. They will say and accuse and, and... charged elders uh, without any regard at all for that instruction as to how elders are to be respected. God knows the very tentative position that elders are in and therefore has set rules in place that we're supposed to conduct ourselves by in order to protect uh, elders from unfounded accusations and so forth. Brethren, disregarded, discomplete. I think there's just a general uh, failure to submit to elders in lots of places. Now, you, go ahead. I interrupted you. You were on, you were on something. Else. I was just going to say in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 3, when Peter was addressing the elders, he warned them not to lord it over the, God's heritage. Right. Uh, a lot of people are afraid the elders are going to do that. They're going to lord it over. But I have made the point several times in, in my personal experience, I've never known with maybe one possible exception, possibly one time I knew an elder who came close to lording it over the flock. Uh, it, brethren are so concerned that's going to happen but it's not a common thing uh, in, in my personal experience i'm not even sure i've ever witnessed it but i tell you what i have witnessed lots of times and that is members who are not submitting as god expects them to do so and i think that trend is increasing and i think it's one of the disturbing things we see in the church
1: at uh, one point we need to move on but uh, the uh, instruction you mentioned there in hebrews 13:17 17 uh, to submit to the to the elders this, I don't believe this is talking about scriptural things. I think uh, that that would be a redundant in, in, in instruction for us to submit to the elders. We don't
2: submit to them in matters of faith and doctrine. No. We submit to them in matters of judgment, yes. discernment.
1: And that's where people really That's get where they really up. kick up yeah. their heels. Right. Exactly. All right. Uh, number five, the last one on your list.
2: Um, my last one is uh, an abandoning of the old paths. And I, I take that statement from Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But the people said, we will not walk therein. And I think there's the same kind of tendency among God's people today. Uh, And here's the disturbing trend, if I were going to, to illustrate it or explain it more specifically. There are increasing numbers of people in the Lord's church who have the attitude that If this is something that we have always believed and practiced, if this is the way we've always done it, it's probably wrong. We should throw it out and start over. Now, please understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying we should just do what we do because that's the way we've always done it. I I think we should check it out. I think we should be sure that we're doing what's right and true to the Word of God. But I think it's wrong to come to the table with the attitude that if it's what people in the church have done, For generations, it's probably wrong. It's just
1: a man-made tradition is the first thing. I think we
2: should come to the table saying, it's probably right. These were were intelligent, faithful, uh, well-intentioned people who studied and thought these things through, most of them a lot smarter than I am. I'm going to come to this assuming that they were probably right. I'm going to check it out to be sure, but I'm not going to assume it's wrong just because it's what's always been believed. But there are some people who have that attitude, if it's what's always been believed, it's probably wrong, we should abandon it. And I think that's a disturbing trend in the church. That's my top five.
1: All right, you've got a good list, good list tonight. And we're ready for yours. So if you want to send it in now or you want to get the chat room going, uh, let us know the top five most disturbing trends. We'll start with Paul, who's in Indiana tonight, and he's also in the chat room. Uh, Paul says, membership that sees no difference between churches of Christ and denominations or no difference between churches of Christ. There are people who have handed down who have handed down religion. They view issues of truth as matters of personal preference. To illustrate, members become dissatisfied, so they leave for the Christian Church or an institutional social gospel church. I have seen this happen numerous times. In one case, it was a man who had just stepped down from serving as an elder.
2: I think I'd have to agree with Paul. We we had an episode in our family a number of years ago, where a family member left the Lord's Church and joined a denomination. When when concern was expressed over that, another family relative says they're better off there than they ever were in the Church of Christ. They're studying their Bible more. They're more involved. They're they're taking part. You know, so so they'd left the Lord's Church. They were they were worshiping in a man made denomination that practiced n- numerous kinds of error, and yet this other family member says they're better off there than they were in the church in the Lord's Church. Well that concept has become more and more prevalent i think paul's right we see that in the church it's certainly a disturbing trend when when we don't understand the distinctive differences and and it what it really represents is the fact that people are not well studied they 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 are uninformed they don't even know what they believe or why they believe it and so they are led astray.
1: All right. A good comment, Paul. Number two on Paul's list is discouragement. Christians need to be closer and depend on one another more than we do. People get down. Their faith is challenged. Many times they don't know where to turn because they are afraid. They will be judged harshly as being unfaithful or weak, so they are unwilling to share their struggle and ask for help. The trend is we can be distant and don't really know one another.
2: You know, I think that's a true trend. Too. So Paul up. in the chat room has said he's afraid maybe the things he sent an email are not on the theme that we had in mind. I think they are, Paul. I, I think this is true. I think there's a trend in the church that Christians are less involved in one another's lives. They don't know each other as well as they should. You know, we've sort of become hermits in our own houses. Yes. You know, we, we yeah. sit at home, watch TV, play on the computer. uh shut the doors and windows and let the air conditioner run, don't even know anybody or do anything with anybody. We just sort of vegetate in our homes. And I really think that we've lost something. We don't have that closeness. I, a couple of years ago, I was preaching down in Alabama in a gospel meeting. And afterwards, it was a really nice summer evening. And one of the brethren said, you know, it used to would have been on a night like tonight when we got home from church services, we'd sit out on the front porch and drink iced tea and visit. And the kids would chase lightning bugs in the yard. And we'd have a big time. He said, Nobody's gonna do that tonight. Yep. We're all gonna go home and sit in our air conditioning and watch TV. And he said we're we're worse off. We're poorer for it. Yep. I think that's right. We don't know each other well, we don't interact well, and that's a disturbing trend in the church.
1: Number three on Paul's list is loose teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Some churches don't take a don't ask, don't tell policy. Some are afraid to teach the simple clear truth. Right on, Paul. Some don't know the simple, clear truth.
2: I think that's right on and right in our own area here in Middle Tennessee. We know of churches who won't ask and, and don't expect anybody to tell them what their marital status is. I know of a preacher that was in this area who said, I would never preach on that. It's just far too controversial. Imagine that. And that's in that's an nominally conservative church. And so, I mean, you talk about a disturbing trend. That's got to be a disturbing trend in the church.
1: All right. Number four on Paul's list. Some today are teaching that there is no pattern and that biblical patterns are not binding. This is giving an opening for many innovations of man to be brought in. The trend is toward permissive silence of the scriptures, and uh, certainly that is a uh, very disturbing trend that does seem to become more prevalent here.
2: I think that's exactly right. Uh, uh, This sort of ghost, and some of the other emailers have mentioned a a drifting away from authority, and 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 that's really what that is. It's it's a drift away from authority. We don't want to know what the path. We we refuse to accept. The pattern. In, in fact, even in, in in the last several years, people have gotten to the point where they put down the idea of pattern theology. That's sort of a dirty word now to say that there is a pattern, that there's a, a pattern of theology or a pattern of serving God that we should follow. That's looked down upon. Okay, that's a disturbing trend.
1: And if you want to hear a discussion on that, check our archives, as you can with many of the subjects that uh, that uh, Paul has brought up tonight. Number five on Paul's list: ignorance. Too many times, people don't know, don't even know where to look and bibles are only opened at services if then this is a contributing factor to all of the above
2: well i think that's right people you know that in churches of christ people used to be known as students of the word people of the book in fact a lot of times folks wouldn't want to engage us in religious discussion because they knew we'd quote scripture and, they, and and they couldn't they couldn't uphold their view uh, in the face of us quoting scripture to the contrary so they wouldn't engage us in religious discussion Unfortunately, I think that reputation has largely been lost. A lot of people in the Lord's Church are not effective students of the Word. They don't know what they believe, and they don't know why they believe it. And 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 that just and that compounds all these other kind of problems we've been talking about.
1: Okay, and uh, before we go to the break, uh, Jason, do you know where Jason is?
2: I think Pennsylvania, maybe. No,
1: Pennsylvania? no
2: this is a different Jason.
1: Okay, another Jason. Uh, the Jason in Pennsylvania is in the chat room tonight. This is a different Jason. Jason says, people in the church look at me funny. But a disturbing trend I see is the green agenda. It is squarely rooted in the form of earth worship. Our children are being hammered with it in advertising and in the public school system. Slowly, bit by bit, they are being trained. I think we need to carefully uh, consider our place in God's creation, know who is in control and what our role is in taking care of the creation God has made for us. The people on the forefront of the green agenda don't believe in God, trust in their own wisdom, and view humans as a parasite on the planet. There are literally thousands of sources, uh, but to see the recent article, that Nate, uh,
2: he gives a link to something on
1: a UN agenda. He says, uh, "Call me crazy, but uh, I see this is a disturbing trend making its way into the church."
2: I gotta say, Jason, that wouldn't have been that. That wouldn't even uh, come close to my top five. I, I don't doubt that we're some of our young people are being influenced by some of that uh, sort of thinking. However, I don't see that as being nearly as dangerous as some of the other things that we've mentioned. But
1: I mean, it's, if it, it is if it is changing our view of the world that God well, created. Yeah,
2: and, and and pagans through the centuries have worshipped physical things, and so if that's if that's a trend, then that's something to watch for.
4: Green agenda, Anthony, you see it a problem? Um, I mean, I agree with Greg. I don't see that as a as a, a pressing concern, but it, I think he's right on with those comments. Uh, that that's definitely an. an Really, what it boils down to is we're just uh, we're just one among millions of of creatures on this planet, and we have to do our part and coexist with all the bugs and the birds and the fish and everything. And uh, because we all came from the same place, okay, is really what that boils down to. Okay, I do appreciate the comment, and it's something to be a, a, a concerned about,
1: and
2: we need to think about it. Just got an email came in from Pat in Harvest, Alabama, who says his disturbing trends. Dress becoming more and more immodest. We've talked about that, and that's been all the buzz in the chat room tonight. And he says people watching trashy TV shows.
1: We'll get to that. on.
2: The, we've got so that's, uh, world, that's, We've mentioned both those things, sort of. That's worldliness, uh, and and it's certainly taking root in the church. So thanks, Pat. All right.
1: We need to take a quick break. And on the other side of the break, we're going fast. You better hold on to your seat because we're going to be going fast to get through the rest of these. Uh, don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study goes to the top of the hour right after this.
0: Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to
3: these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Do you remember when churches insisted on Bible authority for everything they did? Can you recall when church members always expected a thus saith the Lord? Remember when the church was well known for its book, chapter, and verse style of teaching and preaching? Are you upset because the church you're attending doesn't approach things this way anymore? Does it concern you that elders and preachers don't seem to care about Bible authority at all? The College View Church is still striving to do everything according to the New Testament pattern. If you're looking for a church like the one you remember from the past, please visit the College View Church of Christ.
4: My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to
0: the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archives section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study.
1: And if you did miss a recent program, you can catch it in the archives, and you can still comment. We welcome your comments anytime. Uh, Even if the program was five years ago, you can still comment on it. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com as we talk about disturbing trends
2: in the church today. Got an email from Chris in Atlanta, Jacob. Give us, give, quickly, go quick as you can okay. through his top five.
1: Number, he says all are uh, equally as bad as the others, so he doesn't place them in any order. Number one, lack of participation from the members with most activities in life. It is the 80 20 rule that applies 20% of the people do 80% of the work, but I'm seeing more and more that it is even worse in the church. It's very difficult to get participation in evangelical efforts finding people to serve in worship, and getting people to show up for other biblical activities.
2: Lack of participation. Okay, number
1: one. I agree with that. Number two, a shocking lack of basic Bible knowledge. I recently taught a class on objections denominations use on baptism as a requirement for salvation. I brought up how they will use Cornelius' conversion and the Holy Spirit falling on them as he did on the apostles. I asked the class how they would handle this, and no one could give an answer. I received several puzzled looks. Several had to go and read the scripture to see that if it really happened... These were not new Christians. Most had been in the church for several, several years and attend regularly all three services. Okay. We talked about that. That certainly is a disturbing trend. Number three, the need to entertain our young people by using church funds to transport them to amusement parks, rafting trips, et cetera. I have no issues with our young people bonding and going on trips together. In fact, it should be encouraged but not supported. We should be focused on teaching our young folks. It is not the church's responsibility to entertain, but it is the church's responsibility to equip if we teach them properly, they will choose to spend time with other Christians. Okay. Number. F- go, go ahead. Number go ahead. four. I read of churches having skits and sort of uh, and the sort as part of Sunday evening worship.
2: You, what do you think about that? That is a disturbing. thing? Well, yeah. That goes with that entertaining thing, I think. Yeah, I think you know, even in regards to the skits and so forth, you know, in direct violation of let your women keep silence in the church, for instance. Yeah. That's just thrown out the window. That doesn't matter. Okay. If it's a skit, it's okay.
1: Okay. Number five, one of the most disturbing trends I see is the complete lack of love towards one another. I came from a denominational background, Methodist, then Baptist. I'm sorry to say, but members of the Church of Christ are hands down the most vicious towards their own that I have ever seen. I heard a preacher say one time, and I wholeheartedly agree, if you tell me I'm going to hell, at least have a tear in your eye. I have seen so many members of the Lord's body pronounce the judgment of hell on someone with close to what... I would resemble glee. It breaks my heart to see the backbiting gossip and slander that goes on. It is no wonder our young people are leaving in droves. If all they hear at the dinner table is how awful the fellow members of the church are, why in the world would they want to be any part man, of it?
2: Man, that's unfortunate, but i got to say amen to what uh, Chris says there. I, that, that is a very sad trend in the church. I agree.
1: All right, Aaron in Singapore says, uh, No time to list five, but one definite trend is the distaste for teaching on the subject of authority. I don't mean just in regard to questions about institutionalism or the church's role in benevolence but any teaching at all intended to describe how one should read the Bible and make decisions about what God intends for us to do or not do. When people decide that teaching on this subject is tedious or unnecessary, they are really announcing that they don't intend for the Bible to limit them in any way. They're just going to do what they want to do. Here's a quote from 1995 from a preacher in a town where I used to live in response to a question about sermon outlines on authority. Quote, it has been so long since I have preached on the subject that I'm not sure I could find those outlines. I'm sorry, but the subject is one that I don't spend a lot of time on today. I don't spend much time on sermons on how to establish Bible authority for individual cups, water fountains, restrooms, parking lots, etc., etc. There are more pressing matters that seem to be to me to be more important. It's not a surprise, Aaron says, that the church where he preaches has departed far from the old paths of Scripture, and not just in matters regarding their water fountain and parking lot.
2: That's from Aaron on the other side of the world in Singapore tonight. Thanks, Aaron, for that good thought. Keith in uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, says, The most disturbing trend I see in many churches is that our zeal for teaching has all but died. That is sad. I mean, uh, we we are... Uh, under the rule of the Great Commission, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and, That's very
1: disturbing. Isn't and, it?
2: and there are a lot of people who just don't care to even talk to their neighbors or their own family members, for that matter, about the truth of the gospel. So I think Keith's right about that.
1: Frank uh, says, should be a very interesting... Frank in
2: Indianapolis.
1: Says, I see us getting more and more involved in the devil's creation of entertainment systems. We have become prone to accept the movies as a satisfactory entertainment system.
2: Okay. For our kids. And then... Uh, very early on, just as we we're getting fired up uh, uh, in the chat room, I printed off some comments from guest 931 and was able to save these. They're way off the top. And while of
1: the you screen. get to this is Larry in Kentucky, by the okay, way, guest 931. But while we're getting Larry's, let's, there's been a lot of sidebar chatter in the chat room tonight. Let's, let's just cut that off for now, for just a minute, just to keep the screen clear. Send in your one top disturbing trend that you see. Make it short. Make it sweet in the chat room. And then we can get to those after we get to Larry
2: here tonight. Okay. Larry says, uh, here's his top five. Instrumental music issue, women in leadership roles, accepting denominational folks without converting them, not withdrawing fellowship when needed, contemporary and casual services. So that's what he says is his top problems. Uh, Now, we had another part of the question, and we've only had three people here who've given their thoughts as to what to do about these trends. What are the... Remember the second part of our question. This came up in the chat room just a minute ago. I saw that someone says, "Well, what are the answers to all these problems?" Well, we asked you to give us your answers to these problems. What biblical principles do we need to hold on to closely to keep from all this drifting that we've been highlighting in our discussion tonight? Uh, Chris in Atlanta offers these things. One, you got to know what the Bible teaches. Do not accept what tradition has said is correct, or what the Bible and, uh, and other Bible, what the preacher and other teachers may say. Find a topic or situation and ask, "What does the Bible teach about this?" Then go and study. Second Timothy four fifteen, Hosea four six. So you got to know what the Bible teaches. Knowing the truth is not enough, though. Number two: two birds are are sitting on a branch. One decides to fly away. How many birds are left? Still two. Just deciding is not enough. We have to do something. First Thessalonians one verse three. I'm not sure what the uh, I'm not sure what that illustration uh, teaches, but. His points are, first, know what the Bible teaches. Secondly, act upon what you know the Bible teaches. And then number three, once we know and are doing, uh, it must always be tempered with love. Love for God, love for one another, love for yourself. Without love, all will be futile. And he mentions First Corinthians thirteen one through 3. So know what the Bible says, do what the Bible says, and be motivated out of love. I think those are three good principles.
1: All right. uh, Paul in Indiana says his keys. I would look at the church at Corinth and the seven churches of Asia. Problem areas need to be identified and clearly, openly, and honestly dealt with. Strong leadership and a unified membership driving toward this goal will be a key. I think Paul makes excellent points there. We've got to be on guard against this drifting because this drifting is going to be a casual thing. The world, as we talk about worldliness, other things are going to come gradually. As you mentioned, with the Presbyterian Church from 1978 to 2010, 32 years, they started off saying it's definitely a sin, but we're going to study. They ended up 32 years uh, later saying you can do whatever you want. Uh, You can not only uh, can you not think it's wrong, you can be engaged in this activity, and we have no problem with
2: it. Yeah. So we've got to be careful. You've got to stay advised. Look for those problem areas, as we are tonight. Now, One thing we might want to bring up is that there are some things that change that are not wrong. There are some things that change that are actually beneficial and helpful. And just to illustrate what I mean by that, Jacob, I might point out something like um, uh, LCD or or projectors to show PowerPoint charts uh, during our sermons. That's a new invention. That's a change. It's an innovation. That's different. You know, they used, years ago, they used to use bed sheets, and the preachers would take days and hours to paint their bed sheet charts, and they'd hang them on the wall so they could have some visual aid to help them in emphasizing the points they were making. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, an LCD projector is way better than a bed sheet. Now the sheets put me to sleep. Uh, but And I don't think it's wrong. And right. so what we, what we have to say is when we're talking about disturbing trends and drifting, we're talking about things that are sinful, not things that are... Judgments or expedients and so forth. Uh, We ought to employ. If there's a new method that we can use that is within the bounds of scriptural authority, we ought to jump to that if that makes our work more efficient. If we can get more done and in a better way. Uh, So we're not saying we need to. We need to get back to the bedsheet charts. We're not saying that. We're but we are saying we we've got to adhere to the scriptures and we've got to make sure that we're being sound and faithful to the Lord. All right. Um, and we, we have one more here. Uh, uh, Larry, in, in his uh, earlier chat room comments, suggested things that we need Bible principles to keep us from drifting. Practice a thus saith the Lord. So, again, that's a, an appeal to Bible authority, obviously. And secondly, strive more to be like the obedient Lord. Strive more to be like the obedient Lord. Jesus was obedient in all things. Strive to be like him.
1: All right. Well, we've had a good discussion. We've got a little bit more time. If you want to get your thoughts in.
4: Uh, in the chat room tonight Anthony, any thoughts about uh, drifting that you see? Well in response to that second question, uh, you know I noticed Dean in the chat room made a good point He said it, it kind of feels he feels bad. we're talking about all the problems but we haven't not many folks had suggested uh, ways to improve those problems but to that question, I think uh, just a couple of quick things that come to mind you know one of course is sound and firm teaching as I think we've already highlighted. Uh, teaching on these topics and not shying away from them but also kind of going hand in hand with that is is practicing uh, proper discipline if we're you know i I see a lot of these things like for example immodest dress even in the assemblies of the congregation but it's it's just we just turn the other cheek right and nothing is said and certainly no uh, actions uh, in terms of withdrawal are are taken and uh, if we don't fulfill our obligation to to practice discipline then those things are just going to continue to to fester taking so, a stand is what you're saying right basically exactly all yeah. right yeah i think that's right anthony
2: well we're just out of time let me remind everybody yes, one we more we need time to be monday and tuesday next week the the 20th and 21st of june if you are in with anywhere within driving distance of columbia tennessee by all means, come and join us in the Murray County Park. That's a big park. Most people around here know where it is. In fact, there are even roadsides around here that will point you to the Murray County Park. Uh, if, you ha- if you are uncertain about how to get there, send us an email. We'll get you directions. But we're going to be in uh, one of the pavilions in the park uh, for Bible study on Monday and Tuesday night. The themes will be about premillennialism, basically, and the end of the world we're going to have two presentations each night. I'm going to bring one, and Don Wright from Louisville, Kentucky, will bring the other each night. We'll each have a presentation each night and a question-and-answer period. We're trying to get a lot of people from our community to come out, and uh, we'd love for you to come. If you're anywhere within a driving distance of Columbia, come and join us for what we're simply calling Bible Studies in the Park.
1: All right. When is that? June 20th and 21st. Next Monday and Tuesday night.
2: 7 o'clock each evening.
1: Any uh, any collections going to be taken? No out? collection. Anybody going to be called out? Nobody's going to be called out. All right. But there will be time for your questions to be answered as
2: well. That's right. We're going to try.
1: All right. Well, we look forward to that next week, Monday the 20th and Tuesday the 21st of June 2011, 7 o'clock in the Murray County Park. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, Anthony, for driving on the controls. Great job. Uh, No problem. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, Study his inspired word in the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.